This morning we find ourselves in James chapter 1 verse 19 to 21. James chapter 1 verse 19 to 21. We've been going through uh, this book, uh, this chapter, step by step, uh, one verse after another. This morning I'd like us to consider three verses, verse 19 to verse 21. As usual, I'm going to read the whole chapter, but then our sermon would be coming from verse 19 to verse 21. Hear God's word. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass... He will pass away, for the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, 
but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This morning, we are going to be considering three verses, verse 19, 20, and 21. And I have titled the sermon this morning, Receive the Word of God. Now, if you've come from a background uh, like mine, you've, you've probably heard the preacher or the pastor telling the people to receive. Uh, receive blessings. Receive your healing. Receive your destiny. Receive whatever it is that is the desire of your heart. And there are a lot of receives, uh, as it were, uh, uh, on pulpits uh, in, in today's world. Yet this morning, I'd like you to notice that there is one thing that God expects and wants you to receive. And this is His Word. And so I'll be calling you this morning to receive the Word of God. Now, uh, 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 this, this is the part of the Word of God that you are to receive this morning. I'd like you to receive three things. Number one, that you are to be quick to hear and slow to speak from verse 19a. And then number two, that you are to be slow to anger from verse 19b to verse 20. And then number three, that you are to put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness from verse 21. So these are the three things that you are to receive this morning. I'm going to be, to be calling you to receive the word of God. And number one, first point, be quick to hear and slow to speak. Verse 19a. Look with me at verse 19. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. James, once again, as we considered last week, uh, calls his audience, my beloved brother. So, so uh, look at verse, verse 16. He tells them, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. And then he goes ahead to give them uh, uh, what it is that they are not to be deceived about because they are his beloved brethren, his brothers and sisters. And here in verse 19, he begins the clause the same way. He says, know this, my beloved brothers. And he continues to show that he cares for them. As we saw last week, he does, not see these peop- uh, he, he does see these people as his fellow believers in Christ. He is concerned for their spiritual wa- wa- welfare. And therefore deals with them in a gentle way. He calls them, my beloved brothers, my brethren, my, uh, my beloved brothers and sisters. Um, In our particular passage, James goes on to what some would call uh, wisdom sayings and this for his beloved brothers and sisters. 
and he, he, he says this to his brethren. Let every person be quick to hear. This is what I'd like us to see there. Uh, notice the, in this exhortation, with uh, uh, regard to hearing, we should be quick to hear. And so, as you look at that verse, when it says, let every person be quick to hear, let, let the, the word quick pop off that passage. The, the KJV translates the Greek word here, swift. And so then uh, renders it, let every man be swift to hear. Regarding hearing, we are to be quick, as opposed to slowness of speech, as we see in the passage, and slowness of anger, as we see there. We are to be quick, we are to be swift, we are to be speedy to hear. Our hearing must not be one that is filled with interjections and oppositions, since we will not hear anything. Rather, we should be quick to hear. Notice also that it is every person, it says there, let every person be quick to hear. And mostly in light of his audience, uh, which he calls my beloved brothers, it applies to every believer. Every Christian in this room is this morning be call, being called to be quick in hearing. Every believer must be quick to hear. Be they fathers, mothers, or children. Be they husbands or wives. Be, be they uh, uh, pastors or congreg congregants. Every Christian is being called to be quick to hear. Bear in mind that for you to be quick to hear, you must have a prior willingness to hear, right? You must, you must be ready to hear. The command uh, here is, is be quick to hear. Now, even though you must have a prior willingness to hear, prior readiness to hear, notice that the concern here is not willingness to hear. Uh, James does not say, be willing to hear. No, James says, be quick to hear. So, so whether you're willing or not, the Bible in a very clear and a very pointed way commands all people, especially Christians, to be quick to hear. This is, this is very important because we live in a day and time where people have their opinions. Everyone wants to air what they think and, and, and you know, what is in their hearts, what, what is in their minds. And people are not quick to hear. My dear brethren, this comes to us very sharply. At, at least it did come to me as I was preparing to bring this message to you. That we are to be quick to hear. Our quickness, if it be of any other thing, hearing should be at the top of the list. We are to be quick to hear. Now the question that we are to ask ourselves here then is, quick to hear what? What are we to be quick to hear? And I submit to you that it is two things. One, primarily, we are to be quick to hear the word of God in all its entirety. This uh, refers to the word of truth spoken of in, in the preceding verse. Look with me at verse 18. Verse 18 says, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth. And so then, we are to be quick to hear the word of truth. And then we are to be quick to hear the word in the subsequent verses. The implanted word in verse 21. We are to be doers of the word in verse 22. We are to be hearers of the word in verse 23. And so we are to hear the gospel quickly. We are to apply our minds and understand the gospel 
and submit to it thereafter. We are to be quick in hearing the word of God. Uh, and as mentioned earlier, this presupposes a willingness and readiness to hear. A willingness and readiness to hear and consider what God's word teaches in all circumstances. So if you are going to be quick to hear, we are to be quick to hear what God has for us. And as we will see in, in, the, in the following weeks, Lord willing, we, we are to be hearers of it. And, and not only that, but we are to be doers of this word that we are quick to hear. But this is where it begins. That every person, James is saying, every person be quick to hear. Number two, uh, secondarily, we are to be quick to hear other people out, especially in times of dispute. Christians have disputes and differences. And this, this may be part of uh, the trials that we sometimes go through as we've been seeing in the passage. And we are supposed to be willing to hear each other out and that quickly. Now Matthew Henry says here on this point that here we may observe that whenever matters of difference arise among Christians, each side should be willing to hear the other. People are often stiff in their own opinions because they are not willing to hear what others have to offer against them. Whereas, we should be swift to hear um, uh, reason and truth on all sides and be slow to speak anything that should prevent this. And so, uh, uh, see there that we are to be quick to hear and, and, and this, the word of God, and we are to be quick to hear the other person, especially when we are having a dispute. We are to be quick in hearing, my dear friends. Now, um, the preacher does tell us something in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer sacrifice, uh, the, the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. And uh, in, in that passage, I've, I've just underlined here in my notes that to draw near to listen is better. It is better to listen. And this means that we are to be quick to hear. Now notice in that verse also that we are to be slow to speak. And so this first point is that we are to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Look at verse 19 again there. We read, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. Now quickness to hear comes with slowness of speech. You cannot claim to be such a gifted person that you can be quick to hear and quick to speak all at the same time. That, that can't be. God has made it so that when one is quick to hear, it necessarily follows that their mouth is closed. Because instead of using their sense of speaking, they are using their sense of hearing. Instead of using their mouth, they are using their ear. And so then James says that we are to be quick to hear we are to be slow to speak. So then it necessarily follows that one ought to be slow to speak uh, uh, because they are quick to hear. You, when you're quick to hear, it does uh, eventually follow that you will be slow to speak. So then firstly, our quickness to hear is with regard to the word of God. Be, be, because this is the case, because our quickness to hear is with regard to the word of God, then we are to be slow to speak in the presence of God. 
Now this morning we were considering prayer and fasting in our Sunday school class and we were told that we are to know God because we are not to approach God without knowing who He is. We are to approach God with prior knowledge of who God is. Now, since quickness to hear is with regard to the Word of God, we are to be slow to speak when we come before God. We should be more eager to hear what God has to say to us in His Word than we are to tell Him our own things or to speak even for Him. Again, the preacher says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2, um, that we are not to be rash with our mouths. He says, be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. And so, as regarding uh, speaking even to God, we are to be slow to speak. Secondly then, the exhortation to be slow to speak does allude to the fact that we are uh, to be learning before we venture into telling others or teaching others how they ought to walk. Slowness in speaking not only shows that one is quick to hear, it does show that one is quick to learn and one is constantly learning. Listen to what Thomas Manton says here. He says, many are hasty to speak, but backward to do, and can better master it and prescribe it to others than practice it themselves. Now, the, the exhortation to be slow to speak does uh, indicate or allude to the fact that we are constantly learning, that we are quick to hear and we are learning before we speak. Here then, the, the, the congregants and preachers alike, especially preachers and teachers, are required to be learning if they are going to be able to speak, if they are going to be able to say anything before God's people. Now thirdly there, in, in, in matters of dispute, the exhortation to be slow to speak is the wisest counsel that can and has ever been given. When you think about the disputes that people have, the exhortation to be slow to speak is the wisest one that has ever been given and can ever be given. Now, there is a whole host of scriptures that can be mentioned here. But let me just mention a few proverbs for you to be able to get the importance of slowness in speech. Solomon in Proverbs chapter 10 verse 19 tells us that when words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lip, lips is prudent. We read in Proverbs 13 3 that whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. We read in Proverbs 17, 27 to 28, whoever restrains his words has knowledge. We read in uh, um, uh, Ecclesiastes um, uh, something similar to this. And, and, and you, you see, the one who wrote the, the, the Proverbs is the same person that wrote the, the, uh, the sermon, as it were, in Ecclesiastes. And uh, Solomon says in Proverbs 17 that if you restrain your words, you have knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Let us be slow to speak, my dear brethren. Our words should be few. 
we are to be slow to speak now. Allow me, allow me to indulge uh, this statement a little bit more, that we are to be slow to speak. Our Lord says this, rightly in Matthew 15, 17 to 19, that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled. But whatever comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. In, in Luke chapter 6 verse 43, our Lord goes on to say, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure in, uh, of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil uh, uh, treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now I submit to you this afternoon, my brothers and sisters, that the exhortation to, slow, to, to, to be slow to speak calls you to be cultivating your heart. What John Flavel calls keeping the heart. Because Jesus says that it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. And therefore you are to be cultivating godliness, my brethren. Cultivate godliness and a godly heart and you will, you will not be hasty in your speech. Cultivate uh, uh, Christian maturity and you will not be hasty in your speech. Most of us are hasty in speaking, not only because we are, we are not willing to hear the other person, but also because at the root of it, we are not cultivating godliness as we should. You will realize that it is slowness to speak that plays a major role in granting us the opportunity to receive with meekness the implanted word and therefore progress in our godliness. Let us be slow to speak. There's a sense in which this sermon today doesn't have applications. That's what I was sharing with my brother uh, Manasseh, that Today, today I don't have applications for you. The passage is applying how you are to be walking. You are to be quick to hear. You are to be slow uh, to speak. Number two, be slow to anger. Verse 19b to 20. Be slow to anger. So number one, number one, uh, we've seen that we are to be, we are to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Number two. We are to be slow to anger. Look with me again at verse 19 and 20. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The exhortation to be slow to anger is essentially telling us this. That the quick-tempered person is the one who is likely to speak without careful consideration. And so, because we are to be slow to speak, we are to be slow to anger. So then everyone should be slow to anger. Uh, my dear friends, it is, it is when there is uncontrolled anger that you will find uncontrolled speech. I mean, how often do we find ourselves regretting the words we spoke in the heat of the moment? And James is telling us, be slow to speak be slow to anger. Be of slow speech. Be of uh, slowness in anger. And if there's something that you are to be quick in, 
is hearing. James reminds us uh, here that wisdom is seen in learning or having the ability to control this emotion called anger. And so then being able to eliminate one of the most common sources of hasty and unwise speech. James even goes ahead to tell us why human anger at least should not be hasty. He says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so then you are to be slow to anger because the anger of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God. James is saying here that human anger does not produce behavior that is pleasing to God. When you have this hastiness in getting angry, your behavior is, 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 is not one that is characterized by the righteousness of God. You do not produce behavior that is pleasing to God. Now he's probably thinking here of different sinful acts that emanate from human anger, you know, like violence and murder, um, and especially in our context, unwise speech. While we are uh, um, uh, conducting our lives in the will of God, we are not to be we're not to be anger. We're not to be full of anger. We are not to be quick to anger. We are not to be angered. The anger of man goes contrary to this. It goes contrary to the righteousness of God. It does not produce the intended righteous deeds that God expects from you. While we are to conduct ourselves by the will of God and according to his standards, the anger of man, on the other hand, uh, doesn't enable us to produce the righteousness of God. Now, James is surely not intending to prohibit all forms of anger, for we know that the Bible acknowledges that we can be angry, but we are not to sin, as in Ephesians 4.26. Nonetheless, you will realize that the Apostle Paul uh, quickly goes, to, goes on to prohibit this human anger which does not produce the righteousness of God in Ephesians 4.31. So in Ephesians 4.26, Paul says, be angry and do not sin. In Ephesians 4.31, Paul quickly says that we are not to have anger. He does the same in Colossians 3.8. See here that uh, quick-tempered, selfish human anger the anger of man, as he calls it there, uh, um, <clears throat> portrays a lack of trust in God and lack of love for others. Therefore, James rightly exhorts us to be slow to anger. This matter of anger is so serious that the Bible prescribes that we refrain from being wrathful ourselves and from wrathful people, lest we be like them. So in Psalm 37 verse 8, we are told, Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. So we are to refrain from anger. We are to refrain from wrath. We are to forsake this quickness in anger. Because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now in Proverbs 22, 24, 25, we are told, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. And so it's not only that we are not to be people who are quick to anger, we are to uh, refrain from people who are quick to anger. We are not to make friendship with people given to anger, as the Bible tells us. 
Now, many other scriptures may be quoted here uh, on this matter of anger, but let me just mention a few. In, in Proverbs 14.29, we read that whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. And so you, you will constantly read in the Bible that people who are quick to getting angry are more or less equated to foolish people, to doing foolish deeds. In Proverbs 16.32 we read, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. In Proverbs 19.11 we are told, Good sense makes one slow to anger. Again, this, the same Solomon, the preacher in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 9, he says, Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart, in the heart of fools. And so we are to be, we are to be slow to anger, realizing that we are not God. Only God is able to be wrathful in a holy way. And even though we can be angry, we have to be careful that we do not sin in it. And we have to be careful even more that we are slow in being angry. The exhortation that every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, should be taken together because it is when we are not quick to hear that we are quick to speak. You see, and it is when we are quick to get, getting angry that we are quick to speak and speak things that we will regret later. So then we see here that this, these three things are so linked that when one of them is done wrongly, all of them are done wrongly. When you're quick to getting angry, you're quick to speak, you're slow to listen. And so then the encouragement that uh, James gives us there is let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now number three, see with me there number three that we are to put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness in verse 21 now there are times when when you when as a preacher you look at a passage and you can be very creative with with it you 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 see points popping off um the way someone someone else might not necessarily see them but in passages, uh, in some passages, and you know, a passage like this, the points are there, straightforward. There's, there's no, there's, there's, there's no much uh, digging and searching. What, what does this mean? The passage tells us, verse twenty. Look with me there. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. We read there. The picture here is one, is one of st stripping off dirty clothes because you do not want anything to do with them. You know, here we see that we must watch against, lay aside and put away all filthiness. Matthew Henry says here, that it is not only those fleshly dispositions and affections which denominate a person filthy, but all the disorders of a corrupt heart which would prejudice it against the word and ways of God. And so then James says, put away 
all filthiness and rampant wickedness. I'd like for you to notice here that sin is a defiling thing. Sin is referred here to as filthiness. Sin is terrible. You know, the Puritans used to refer to the sinfulness of sin. Sin is a dirty thing. It is a filthy thing. It is a dirtifying thing. Now notice also that there is, there is a possibility of rampant wickedness. You see, he says there, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. And it should, it should all be put away. We should, we should seek to put away all filthiness. We should seek to put away all rampant wickedness. And so then it is not just some sins. You know, it is not that we are to choose what to do away with and what not to. No, we, we are to do away with all filthiness. We are to do away with all rampant wickedness. All uh, sins of word, thought and deed should be done away with. All sins of commission and omission should be done away with. You are to put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of this, the wrath of God is coming, the Apostle Paul says. In these two, uh, uh, in these you two once walked, when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, the Apostle Paul tells us. In Colossians chapter five, verse uh, chapter three, verse five to ten, it says, "But now you must put them all away: anger, wrath. You see, anger and wrath are there. Malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator." The Apostle Paul goes on to say that you are to, you are to put away all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and uh, 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 slander along with all malice in Ephesians 4.31, the passage that I was uh, uh, telling you about. Uh, notice also that the preceding verses on temptation and the nature of this temptation as we've, as we've been considering calls for putting away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Because of the nature of temptation, we have to be careful so that we put away all filthiness and all rampant wickedness. If we are going to overcome temptation, we must put away all rampant wickedness. If we are going to avoid error, we must put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Now, how is a minister of the gospel, uh, how, will, how will he be able to communicate God's truth if they do not put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. How are we going to be able to stand before you and say, do not be deceived, this is the truth, when wickedness, filthiness is filled in our hearts? How are you going to interact with your fellow believers rightly if you have filthiness and rampant wickedness constantly uh, plaguing you? How are you going to live rightly with your spouse? How are you going to, to live rightly with your parents, even? It's when we are putting away all filthiness and rampant wickedness that we are able to walk in a godly manner. Then lastly there, the putting away of all filthiness and rampant wickedness 
is necessary because of the last section there on receiving with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, it's, it's at this point that I would like to present to you the gospel. I'd like you to notice here that James is not speaking to unbelievers, but to those who, who have already been converted, right? James is speaking to his beloved brothers, telling them how they ought to live in light of being brought forth by the word of truth. Now, these commands do not make sense to sinners. Why? Because they are dead in their trespasses. They wonder how they are to be slow to speak. How they are to be quick to hear. How they, how they shouldn't uh, uh, be quick to getting angry. It's, 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 it's weird talk to unbelievers. Because they are not regenerate. And what the unbeliever needs is not to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to getting angry. It's, 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 what the unbeliever needs is the gospel. They need Christ. They need the word of truth that we, we read of there last week in verse 18. They need to be brought forth, as it were, by the Holy Spirit of God. What unbelieving people need is the gospel. They need to realize that they are sinners, dead in their trespasses, and then be, be, be directed to the Savior, that they should run to the all-sufficient fountain of life, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you, who is a believer, you are the one being told, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, of, word uh, which is able to save your souls. James is speaking here to his beloved brethren, telling them how they ought to live, how they ought to walk. And so then he says, receive the implanted word. That's what he says there. Receive with meekness the implanted word. When, when, he adds the, 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 when he adds the word meekness or humility in some translations there, James is reminding you that you need, to be, you need to be open and receptive to the work and word of God in your heart. This is the word of God that you need to receive this afternoon. That you be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to getting angry, and you are to receive with meekness this word the implanted word those who have truly been born again those who have christ as their lord and and their savior as we see there in verse 18 demonstrate that the word of god has transformed them by their humble acceptance of that word as their authority and guide for life the way we know a truly regenerate heart is one that receives with meekness the implanted word as we saw there in verse 18, this word of truth by which we have been brought forth um, uh, is this implanted word which we are to receive with meekness constantly, time and time again. Our Lord also made a similar point here, just with different imagery, that the believer is to prepare good soil in his heart in order that, that the seed of the word 
that has been planted might produce fruit in Mark chapter 4 when he's talking about the parable of the sower. The implanted word is there um, uh, since the moment of generation, uh, regeneration. The moment one becomes a Christian, the implanted word is in their hearts. Because they've been brought forth by the word of truth, this word is implanted in their hearts. In fact, this word is the agent by which the Holy Spirit uses uh, uh, to change us, to grant us faith. For faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, Romans 10, 17. Yet it is, it is this same word that, it, that is used in the progress of the Christian life. This is, this is the same word that is used for your growth. Growth, therefore, follows as we receive meek, with meekness the implanted word. You are able to grow in your Christian life as you receive the word of God with meekness. It is this word of God that has made you children of the Father, and it is this word of God that enables you to live under your Father. Our daily embracing of the word of truth creates conditions in which this implanted word germinates, grows, and becomes fruitful in salvation. Isn't that what he says there? Which is able to save your souls. In the end there, the implanted word is able to save your souls. Oh, this, this, would, this would sound strange to, to us or some of us because we are used to equating salvation to the point and moment when we were converted and, and this is okay. But um, it's just that this is not the only way the New Testament uses uh, uh, or views salvation. The, the verb save or noun salvation oftentimes refers to the believer's ultimate deliverance from sin and death which will happen at the return of Christ. So, so you, will, you will have passages like Romans chapter 5, verse 9 to 10, which says, Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. And, and many other passages of this kind which show this point. That the, the term salvation is not only used to refer to the time when we got born again, but the time when we are living as Christians and the time when Christ will return. So the work of salvation can be referred to as being past since Jesus died for us and therefore accomplished salvation for all who would believe in him. It can also be referred to as being future because salvation will be fully experienced when Christ returns. And it can also be referred to as present, you know, in that day by day. You know, as we live day after day, we are constantly being, being saved. We are progressively being sanctified. We experience a greater and greater measure of what has been done to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. James tells us here that it is by receiving with meekness the implanted word that our souls are saved. This is the way in which we are daily enabled to be transformed and conformed into the image and likeness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What we refer to as progressive sanctification comes through the implanted word of truth. So then you will hear others refer to it as 
having been saved from the penalty of sin, being saved from the power of sin, and eventually we'll be saved from the presence of sin. James says here that it is the implanted word which is able to save our souls. In this verse, James is telling us that the implanted word has the power in our daily lives to actually make salvation a positive reality. That we live in light of what God has done as we live day by day. Alec Mortier, one of the commentators that I was considering, says here that every day then should provide us with some fresh evidence that we are saved, that new powers are at work within us, and that the Lord is progressively making us whole. My dear friends, brothers and sisters, I'm calling you this afternoon to receive the word of God. This morning it's, it's, it's plain, it's clear. Yet as I think about it and as I was preparing through it, 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 it's such piercing truths. Look at verse 26, chapter 1 verse 26 of James. It says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. I mean, these, these things are tough. Listen to these exhortations here once more as I finish. It says, know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. I mean, dear brethren, after hearing all this, after saying everything that I have said, all I can venture to say is receive the word of God. Hear the word of God. Submit to the word of God. Receive it with meekness. And this is able to enable you live out the Christian life and nothing else. Let's pray. We bow before you, our Heavenly Father. We thank you for your goodness in bringing your word to us. Where else can we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. We pray this afternoon that you would help us to receive the word of God. To be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. To put away all filthiness. To put away all rampant wickedness and to receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save our souls. Help us, O oh, Heavenly Father, to live for your glory, to be shaped and fashioned into the image and likeness of Christ, to have true religion, to hear your word, to hear each other out. You know, when we have disputes and, and this, this, uh, uh, this disagreements 
that we would hear each other out and that we would seek to glorify you in our speech in our anger in our hearing that we would put to death that which is earthly in us that you would be glorified in all our lives hear us now lord help us this day for we pray these things in jesus name amen